We all face challenges, crucibles in life, that make us or break us. What matters is how we respond to such roadblocks. That's really what defines us. Through inspirational stories from all walks of life, this podcast will provide you with techniques to overcome and grow from life's most challenging experiences. Welcome everybody to Crucible. I'm Mary Lee Aitenhan. Thank you for joining us. If you liked the episode, please hit subscribe, like, and share it. Today's episode is entitled, It's Not Your Fault. We are going to explore, encourage, and hopefully help you navigate through redemption, inclusivity, and how the smallest good deeds can change someone's life forever. And now I'd like to introduce my guest on Crucible, Brett Wetton. Brett is a collegiate four-year letterman in football and track and field. He has multiple all-conference and all-American awards. He played in the NFL for Seahawks, Chiefs, Colts, and the Rams. He's a huge philanthropist, to put it mildly. He's a public speaker, and he now works in the medical field at Zoll Medical in the cardiovascular field. And he and his wife have three beautiful children. So welcome, Brett. Mary Lee, Mrs. A, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's so good to see you. Oh my gosh, we both we both have aged very well, haven't we? No, we have, and you know, you look wonderful. And <laughs> what a too. full circle event for both of us. This is great. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, I thought we should probably tell people how we know each other because that's that really is what leads into our story. So, I'll let you go first you're gonna let me go first okay so yeah. you are our we're our uh uh how would i say this illustrious uh well-prepared uh detail oriented just one of the funnest people i think of all the teachers we had in geneva uh, uh high school uh i think everyone loved you i don't know anybody that didn't like you and no, you know, you're you had all sorts of adventures over you know spanning from elementary school to high school mm-hmm. uh, we were part of the l street singers you know the yes old- woohoo they're still going i actually invented them so well, there you go i know the fuchsia colored you know cumberbands i oh, remember yeah. I just can't forget era. it yeah i was yeah. there anyway so you made Bless that all happen heart. congrats on your podcast crucible and uh congrats yeah. merely well thank you and it would and the only reason this is happening is because you encouraged me to do it so for that i just incredibly thank you and um we met with our business coach paul blanchard i don't know if you know anything about habit finders um but he's he's been a great business coach for us and he said you know how many people tell me they want to do a podcast and i was like no he's like i have probably a hundred people a year tell me they're going to do it he says you know how many people are actually because he didn't know that i just recorded this podcast and um so he's shocked he wanted to know all about it this and that and he says you know how many people have, have actually recorded and i said no he said three and i was like wow so he always calls me my superpower name and i really mean no offense to anybody when i say this but he's like mary fucking lee (laughs) i just i just died it was like oh my gosh okay yeah all right so this is you mary lee i'm telling you this is you you know we always talk about being genuine and real stories and i just i applaud you uh um to the winner goes the spoil so here we go ah thank you very much well my memories of you um growing up are multiple because uh, you know i taught k-12 or i taught 
I think when you were in high school, I taught K3 and then seven or six through 12 or something, some crazy combination, or I did four through six and then seven, 12. So it was split up and Sharon Peterson and I flip-flopped between who taught the K through four, et cetera, um, just for variety, not because we were sick of it or anything like that, but it was just kind of like, hey, why don't we change it up next year? Okay, that's fine. So I can't remember exactly which years <laughs> you fell in there, but I always watched out for you in elementary school and it was in, and it was kind of behind the scenes, always behind the scenes, and it was always anonymous. And I probably should have told you that, but I, I will confess to you that I always made sure that you had your school lunch, you know, was always paid if you needed it, um, that you had clothes, that you had galoshes, that you had the snowshoes to go outside because they were so, you know, very dictatorial about, you know, you can't go outside and play on the playground unless you have all the stuff, you know, um, hats, yada, yada, you know, and um, in high school as well, we went on trips and every four years we were able to go on a trip and I just made sure that, you know, that your account was always able to be paid and same thing you know i gifted a lot of um outfit pieces depending on what the kids needed and just you know um truly their their situation in life but i just i just loved you and i just felt for you so much because i know that um in your words you were bullied and and persecuted you know in elementary school and that just broke my heart. So <laughs> I, I just share that with you. That was kind of my like my elementary memory. Of course, you're always tall and you're always the tallest person in the room, um, which was incredible. Um, and then in high school, I had somebody come running into my office and I was always at school. I see it seemed like because I was always doing either private lessons or I was practicing for something else or prepping for this or that. And I had like 14 preps um, in that school, which was amazing. And um, they came and got me because you were going to do, I thought it was a, a deadlift, but you said a bench press and your record still holds in Geneva High School at that point. It was Geneva High School, but it's still on the wall. And um, <laughs> I just remember the guys, it, it looked like every weight in that weight room was li literally put on that bar. How you even had enough room to, you know, put your hands between the bar and, you know, but you did. And it took two guys to, seriously to put on the biggest weights. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, if he drops that, he's get, nobody's going to be able to catch that. And he's going to crush his larynx. You know, he won't be able to sing again. And <laughs> <laughs> let alone yeah. breathe you know and i'm thinking this maybe isn't such a good idea but it was such a big deal and i felt like there were like 50 people in that tiny little weight room and sure enough you just benched it like piece of cake up <laughs> yeah. record and everybody cheered i mean it was it was just so so cool and you you deserved it you you won so many great awards in high school from the being the outstanding junior and the, um, I have to read it because I make sure get ready. I get it right. The United States Marine Corps Distinguished Athlete Award. That was huge. Um, top senior um, athlete, um, the male athlete of the year. I mean, it, and you were homecoming king. You were just such a nice guy through all of all of that, and um, didn't deserve you know whatever ridicule you were given. You're so. too kind. You're too kind to me. Really, <laughs> too kind. Well. Well, I love you and I still do. And I just yeah, I love you, you too. For, yeah. I thank you for, yeah, for um, asking me to do this. And my last story is I realized today I was thinking of the years that you were in school in Geneva. And I thought, oh my gosh, I had a perm 
every single one of those <laughs> years. And my hair was like Kramer on the top of my head. I had like four inches of permed hair that I dried, you know, and had to have my freeze hairspray, you know. And You made it look good, Marley. You made it look good. <laughs> and then my dangly earlings and my high heels. Yeah, it was crazy. So anyway, <laughs> I thought I was styling. I look back at those days and it's like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? So anyway, well, um, we need to dive into your story. You've got so much that we can share about a crucible and truly overcoming, you know, having a transformative experience. Um, and you become a new person, you know, new altered sense of identity. And you have many crucibles. So we could start either with, um, well, it's wherever you want to go or wherever you want to start. We can start with college and then go on from there. Or you can just dive into it. I'll let you do it. Well, <laughs> I mean, want. I mean, Marilee, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I want to just preface a little bit here to say that, you know, people go through worse things than I did. And for whatever reason, for me, these things were really hard. And at the time, maybe I didn't realize that. Or I look back and I say, you know, that actually was really hard. And so I, I found a way to get around it. But, you know, I think the, the where I'd start is that, you know, this all started in Africa. I was born in Salisbury, Rhodesia, Africa, which is now Zimbabwe, and the country was in turmoil. And so my family thought it best that we, you know, emigrate to the United States because back then we, we could be sponsored. And we, you know, my dad's side, uh, which would be my grandma, she was born in Louisville, Kentucky. So that's one of the ways we were able to legally emigrate because oh, that country awesome. was being torn in half by apartheid and the Rhodesian war. And so we, we show up in Geneva, Nebraska, and I'm three years old and I have two younger brothers and how crazy, right? Yeah, exactly. Of all places you could end up. That's you know, insane. The jungle to Geneva, right? So, um, <laughs> flatlands, <you> know, <laughs> cornfields, a town of 2,100, maybe 2,200 yeah, 2, at that time. Yeah. Soaking yeah. wet. Yeah. 2,100 yeah. and, and, you know, so I think I think the big the big adversity, I think that's it's always kind of been there for me is that, you know, my parents were divorced and I'm not going to Ill, speak ill of my father. And there's a little bit more information from him that, that I'll share later. But, you know, being divorced, my mom is new to the culture of the United States. Uh, you know, on my dad's side, his family's in Geneva. I don't know if you remember uh, Southside and Mrs. R's or Mr. R's with yes, a couple of restaurants. Yeah, and so yeah. mm -hmm. so we were very lucky to have that support there. But, you know, here's. Again, away from me, here's my mom who's young, three boys. My middle brother's handicapped. You know, my right. dad, mm -hmm. you know, lack for a better term, more or less, you know, more or less abandoned us, right? And just sure. went a whole different direction. So I think then you start off with this setting that's, you know, we're just poor and, you know, really, really, um, really difficult times. And I think well, what a great community, Geneva. People reached out and helped. And, and as you share the story about lunch accounts and boots and stuff like that, I, it's been really awesome to hear those stories and it's really humbling because, you know, I don't know what we would have done without that kind of support and people kind of looking out for you um, like you did and others. So that's maybe a great place to start, I guess. And <laughs> yeah. as you walk through some hard stuff. So, yeah, you know, then in elementary school, I would just skip to the next part. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of my classmates or people above and below me, but yeah, I was teased and bullied and, you know, whatever you yeah. want to call it. And it was really difficult. Yeah, well, and the fact that you were, I'm not sure what year you actually hit 6'8", but you graduated high school at 6'8", right? 300 yeah. whatever pounds. 305 pounds. pounds, yeah. Yeah, and um, just that that alone, you know, in show choir, <laughs> it was like really difficult. But um, so I, 
yeah, the persecution, and I'm I'm sure people, uh, you know, I hope they, I hope they publicly own up to that and um, apologize because there was a lot of it I felt that went on, and um, we did as much as we could as teachers, but you know, anytime somebody's bullied, it's usually in the I taught in a school here in Tennessee where we had cameras everywhere. Well, the places they were, would get beat up would be, you know, off camera. And um, so we never saw it. We could never prove it. And it was just heartbreaking. But. Yeah, and I don't believe we're young kids, right? So I, I also right. don't yeah. hold, I mean, I forgive and I've moved on. I, I look back and say, look, I'm actually better for it because you start to have, learn what it, have, what it is to have empathy for people. I feel like I learned to anticipate what people need or, or and, and, and then try to serve people. Like, forget about yourself. What can you do to help other people? And I think for me, I redirected a lot of that way. But, but you know, going back to the theme of your podcast, The Crucible, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a bunch of adverse things happening, but it's over a long period of time. So that first segment, the height through high school, you know, I mean, my dad wasn't at home and, 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 you know, my mom is working two jobs. You're just trying to survive. And then you're, you're going to yeah. school and you're like, okay, I'm just trying to survive. And, you know, and it just, it was really, really hard, but I, I'd also say there were just a lot of really good things that happened that you've spoken of and, uh, and other things and, and getting into athletics really was just a really big outlet for me because I loved it and it was maybe a break from everything else. And then over time, as my body caught up to my athletic ability, um, um, that's when things really started to change on the social front, right. As far as the teasing mm -hmm. and all this. So, um, but it was really hard. Yeah, it really was. And it's been hard to reflect on it because it's, it is what it is. And I don't hold people, yeah. um, to it. And, um, I'm just very grateful I grew up in Geneva, Nebraska. So yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and I loved having you in show choir. And I, oh, I want to say great. thank you for the shout out you did on your interview um, with Maggie Malone about the L Street Singers. You know, that was that was so sweet. And I just <laughs> appreciate that because it was another avenue for you to express your feelings, you know, and that's always difficult for a guy in high school. I don't care who you are. Always difficult, but you know, and I and I, I will pat you on the back to say that, you know, what I noticed about many of the teachers in Geneva, and I and I, look, I don't want to name names because I don't want to leave somebody out and they're upset or whatever. But you know, everyone was very good at, for example, for you, you know, we would break down the music into its simplest parts, and then we would practice each of those parts. Then we bring the parts together, and then we would able we're able to perform it. And I and I, I look at you know the English teachers. I look at. Uh, my high school football coach and the assistant coaches. I look at mm -hmm. science teacher. I go on and yeah. on, right? Yeah. Math teacher. English. It's like everyone, yeah, mm -hmm. everyone taught us this. And I think I don't think we really um, grasped just what what a wonderful education that we had. And I, I got to tell you right now, it just directly feeded into the things I've succeeded in, uh, in, in as a real adult, right? Um, going That's from high great. school now to where I'm now. So, you know, I pat you on the back for that. And well, thank you. Um, I think that really helped. So. Yeah, well, you're very kind, and and I felt blessed um, just to be a part, just to have you do that shout out. And I thank you for your sweet comments, you know, now as well. So awesome. Yeah, well, I think you're awesome. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. and it was done in love, and and I did that for tried to do that for everybody. Not everybody would receive it. <laughs> so there was that frustration, but that's kind of part of teaching and part of life too. So. Um, but after you graduated, you went on to, and you, you had indicated to me that you got probably 50 to 60 
um, D1 school full-time right, scholarships in football. Just had a lot of attention to play Division One football. You know, it's six foot eight, three hundred and five pounds uh, in high school, and but again, it's another hard spot because it's like, well, look, I didn't have a dad at home and say, "Hey, Brett, you need to do this." I didn't see any vision for myself, and so, you know, my football coach—I'll say his name, Danny Malone—I think did a really mm-hmm. good job of kind of, you know, you're in a small town where football is really an athletics in general a really a big deal. Um, you know, really kind yeah. of getting me to see that, hey. Hey, buddy, you need to figure this out. Like you have a future in, in athletics um, because I'm a first college, uh, first generation college graduate. Right. So sure. the only yeah. reason I went to college mm-hmm. is because of football. That's right. Awesome. And I had no expectations yeah. for my life that way. So. So, yeah. So I ended up uh, I ended up doing I did very fair on my uh, very, very, uh, I would say very average on my ACT score and. And again, I had no clue, you know, you know, I'm not yeah. really <laughs> going to school. It's like. Um, you're just trying to kind of survive through everything. And, um, sure. and so anyway, so I get, I, I don't get a full ride offer from Tom Osborne at the Huskers. It's a walk on opportunity. Uh-huh. And, uh, the next thing I know, you and cake, uh, coach Boroff reaches out to me, the head coach says, Hey, I'll give you a full ride. And, you know, <laughs> okay, yeah. and the next thing I know, I'm like, it's close to home and I can kind of help out. And, and that's kind of what took me to Carney and oh, that's where it started. Great. So, yeah. The lopers and you the lopers yeah yeah and you breed you bleed blue and gold i love that so well i remember nancy malone and i having a conversation um out in the hallway she'd always sit out you know on those benches outside of our room and um and we'd have you know we'd solve all the world's problems there <laughs> and it was always i don't know i'd be coming back from probably the middle school and she had a free period but we would we talked a lot and she shared how that she had um helped i think facilitate you to get into track and field as well at carney and she told me at that time i remember it was by throwing the hammer and as you said that's an outdoor thing indoor sport it's a 35 pound but and she was like you won't believe him really i mean she was going on he's amazing he's <laughs> he's gonna set all these records and he just took to it like and of course she threw shot put and disc right in high school yeah, I mean, Nancy took me to Carol Frost, Scott Frost's mom, oh. right, our head coach of the oh. Huskers, and she helped me. <laughs> uh, she helped me uh, throw the discus, the shot put, and again, Danny, you know, very, very dear, dear people to me that I, yeah. I feel like I owe yeah, a lot to. Exactly. And yeah, and so that's where that started. And I wasn't looking to do track and field, um, and I did well. I, fin- I finished with a uh, second in the discus for Class C one, my mm-hmm. senior year. But um, but Andy Meyer from Superior. Uh, we were in uh, just a quick story. We were in our study hall for football, and he's like, "Hey, did you throw in high school?" Because I remember seeing you track me and blah blah blah. Next thing I know, he's like, "I've got this sack that weighs thirty five pounds. It's got a handle on it, and I'm going to teach you how to turn around and throw it, throw it as far as you can." And and so, anyways, like, what? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you're like, okay, whatever you want to do. Yeah. yeah. So and then you fast forward. It's like at the time the school record was fifty feet. Uh, now I think I left it at 66, 11 or something like that. So, wow. and had a really good run and track, uh, in parallel with football. So, yeah. Yeah. Which who does that? I mean, nobody that I know <laughs> there's very few athletes now, and then they make such a big deal of, an, you know, on ESPN, but back in your day, it was like probably pretty the normal thing for, for really at, talented. You were so talented in so many ways and you were incredibly and smart as well as you know your athletic gift which i do believe it's a gift and your musicality yeah. which is also a gift because i love music 
I love music. Yeah, and I've you know I went to Hamilton in in, uh, oh. in New York on Broadway when it came oh, out. Oh, I, I uh, haven't even gotten to do that. Uh, yeah, well, I need to I need to take you. And then uh, you know mm-hmm. I love Le Miserable. Mm-hmm. You know, and then again, there's a lot of parallels I think to 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 my experience in life. And again, it's not better or worse than somebody else's, but just this idea of redemption and the spirituality I think is also a really big thing to point out. You know, I really feel like, you know, my mom and I always remark, like, how in the world did we survive high school? And then how in the world after high school did, you know, college happen? And then all the wonderful things after and the, trying to get in the NFL and now professionally, like, we just really believe that it was blessed, um, not only by people like you and a lot of people in the community of Geneva, but just, uh, you know, I get goosebumps. It's actually, you know, really difficult yeah. to talk about, honestly, because, um, um you know, the quote Lim is it's like in my in my hour of yeah. need, you're always there. And I think um Yeah. For me definitely um God has definitely been by your side and has been very faithful to us. And it's really hard to talk about, honestly. So but it's the truth. Yeah. I can't deny that God is, you know, you know, people that maybe listen to this, it's just, you know, we all go we all have our trials, we go through adversity and and, and God is somebody is always there, is always faithful and you know if anything comes out of that, out of what we're talking about, I think I'd have a very strong testimony, not of me or my family. It's just the testimony that God is faithful. Yeah. He's there to, to walk through these things and just really difficult times. So, yeah. And I can speak to that too. Um, you, you probably, you don't, you didn't even know I was a track runner in Scott's bluff, but <laughs> before I was and that was, um, that was after my crucible my first crucible experience and that was my dad was killed in a plane crash and he was killed in a plane that he had refurbished and he was a mechanic in world war ii and so he was phenomenal at like you know how many guys have as a hobby they redo cars or whatever well he would redo airplanes and he built this um, Beechcraft stagger wing. You know, it was a D seventeen. Yep. It was from nineteen forty six, and it was by it was a biplane. So he the, he brought home the fuselage in um, the back end of a truck. This is a ginormous, you know, airplane, two wings, you know, and it's got I think ten pistons, maybe twelve. I can't remember for sure. Um, but he was killed in that plane. And unfortunately, he was also, he had he'd flown to Kimball, which was 45 miles south of Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. And my mom needed to pick up her airplane that he right. had made. And it had just been, um, they had to have it mechanically approved. And even the stagger wing, which is what he passed away in. And um, he, you know, mom took off, her plane was fine. He took off and the tail hit some wires while he crashed and unfortunately he had with him an 18 year old boy that worked at our restaurant oh so we had a restaurant like chances are in your kind of a deal um it was upper scale but ton of lunch business and he built it from the ground up and he'd had a restaurant prior to this and it was called big john's barbecue pit and a lot of people still remember it um and um went there and ate every sunday you know and i had to work there as well but after he died i mean it was just such a traumatic thing my mom was a stay-at-home mom she was the bookkeeper um i didn't grow up with a charmed life but we never you know i mean my mom was very very strict if you want it you have to get a job and you have to work for it and you have to pay for it 
That was right. kind of the rules in our house. So it wasn't like, oh, I really whine, 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 want this. And then she, you know, no, it was not like that. And I wore the ugliest clothes of my life, <laughs> except for the ones that she made. And, um, and so that, you know, I became a seamstress, you know, for that, from that reason. But my mom was truly in full blown shock trauma. And I remember three days after she died, um, distinctly feeling like I am, I'm abandoned. I am now abandoned because my mom doesn't even see me. She couldn't even function to, you know, she's now running this restaurant full time. My right. dad had won like the restaurateur of the year award the year before. Well, ironically, she won it the next year and she just, you know, threw herself into that. And I figured out that the only way I was going to get her attention was by overachieving. So I was in band. I was in, you know, I had solos in church choir. We, yep. our, our choir was terrible in middle school. And at that time it was junior high. Um, <laughs> but so nobody, I don't even think they offered it, to be honest. I look back, but our band was such a dominant thing. And we were a dominant thing in that whole entire era, the Marching 100 and Georgine Deers and Dean Maxwell. They were, they were like Nebraska Hall of Famers in the music they literally have been, you know, were inducted into the Music uh -huh. Hall of Fame. And um, so my mom would come to my band concerts, you you know, support that. And then I um, decided to join track. I don't know why. Probably is a new thing for girls. And I was like all about, oh, let's be a trendsetter. You know, my mom was very much that way. And she had been a pilot for 40 years before, you know, when she passed away at age 80. <laughs> and um she was always like the first one to do, you know, whatever. And in her family as well. Trailblazer, right. Trailblazer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And she was the first college graduate, you know, in her family as well. Um, so I'm running and I, and it was at that time called the mile because everything was in yards and, um, and I won and I won by quite a bit. I remember the people, the next person behind me was like, um, probably at the three fourths, you know, right like the 330 mark, I'm thinking in meters, but, um, and she was just flabbergasted. And all of a sudden I get all this attention from her, like, oh my God, I didn't know you could run and you've got such a great stride. And she went on and on and on, you know? And um, from that point on, it was like, that's, you know, that's what was ingrained in my brain as a child. It's like, if I wanna get her attention, I have to overdo it. And so I did. And, um, and unfortunately, the thinner I was, the faster I ran. So it just right. kind of propelled me into a cycle of not necessarily, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to starve myself to death, but I just knew that I just really watched my calories and, you know, I was 108 pounds, five, five. And, and that's, you know, what I ran the best at. And, um, so my career went on, but I, I totally understand that feeling of all three of us. And my sister was 19, my brother 16 and I was 13. So she was 45 and all being thrown into that and we've often looked back as kids and when my oh. mom was alive as well you know like how on earth did did we make it through that and that's six weeks after my dad died i'd lost 20 pounds and so i weighed 100 pounds soaking wet and i had shingles right <laughs> like all over you you normally get them on one side or the other you know yeah. i had them both in the front and the back well it was summertime you know you can't go swimming you can't it's like geez i didn't want to tell my friends yeah sorry i have shingles what's shingles you know it sounds like a venereal disease or something <laughs> at that point you know none of us really knew and <laughs> um 
it's an it's an overwhelming experience, right? Like yeah, it was psychological, I, it's social, it's right. And I didn't even know Jesus really at that point. And my sister shared with me, and we came to you know, I came to know the Lord. She came to know the Lord through some little Jesus cafe in downtown. You know, that was in the basement of some building downtown. You know, it was. It wasn't sketchy, but it was kind of like the Jesus Freak movement, you know. Yeah. Um, I think the Way Bible came out at that time period, and um, my whole family ended up being saved truly because of my sister. My brother did, my mom, um, and since then, our children, and we're praying for our grandchildren. So <laughs> it took me 18 years, Brett. Yeah. To figure, I was 31, and I when you said when you had texted me that that you'd. You know, we'll get into that too. Your the clip that you'd seen at that point, I finally figured out that okay, God has us. God's been faithful to us, yep. and not only you know to my mom and my family, but to Kevin and I, you know, and has blessed our family above and beyond. And honestly, I don't know how how we would have gotten through it either. I was you know president of our FCA and. Um, and that was a huge deal. I went to camp and I was an FCA counselor, you know, an FCA student, you know, and, and that's um, really for me where my faith started because we were in a church that didn't necessarily preach being born again or knowing Jesus as your savior. And then and you, was, then you lived it. You live, you just, well, thank you. You, you serve people, <laughs> you serve people. And, yeah. and I think that's the, that's really where the magic happens, right? When you, yeah. Take, take the adversities, the adversities that happen. You realize that you're not in control of that, 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 that God is there and faithful. And then you, you go and you serve other people and you try to share that joy. Cause I think anybody can find that joy. If they really seek and they earnestly ask, I think they can find it. And, and I, there's some rough stuff that happens in this world. So yeah, for sure. I, I applaud you for, for to you. seeing yourself through that because it's really, really hard. It is. And it's, and like you said before, you know, to preface that, People have gone through lots worse things than what I've gone through. I think your childhood, literally, as as you've shared with me and I've looked back, it's like it was a complete shit show. I didn't have a clue at the moment how bad things really were. I was just on the peripheral, you know, trying to offer that, you know, kind of peripheral support as well as in my classroom. But as what you know well know, <laughs> you were in my classroom 30 minutes, you know, in the elementary yeah. and maybe 45 minutes every day at the high school. And um, that's right. So, yeah. So um, why don't you share about your dad then? Because I, too, felt like and I will and I and I this is why I brought it up. I, too, felt like I am an oddball out because nobody in my class had divorced parents. This was 1975 when this happened. No, excuse me, 73. And the Brady Bunch had just come out and it right. kind of made it look like it was okay to have, you know, blended families now. And, but nobody was divorced, at least in my parents' circle of friends. So I was the only one in my class I felt like that had, you know, I didn't have a dad. I, I just was that odd, you know, I felt like I had this huge black mark against me. And my classmates didn't really, they didn't, belittle me or or make fun of me but they didn't also didn't know how to reach out because what do you say when you're 13 right i mean nobody <laughs> nobody knew what to say and they didn't really know how bad things were until i've shared you know as an adult um so i i, I completely identify i feel like you're the odd one out and you know 
you know, we didn't have, I didn't, my mom had a car, but I didn't really have a car. So, you know, I walked to, to and from school um, quite often. And then, you know, we didn't invite people over to our house because it's like, you know, look, my mom, you know, there's a special story behind how we even got that house. It was my grandmother's and um, mm-hmm. one of the folks at our, at our church, I won't, I'll leave his name out, had a dream that he should give a loan to my mom for the house. Right. And it's like, right. and then he approached her and then it was a huge answer to a prayer that we had about being in an apartment or getting a home. And it's like, but you live that life where you're like, well, look, I'm not going on, we're not going on vacation. We're not, right. you know, you don't vacation with other families. You don't, um, you just feel like you're the odd one out. You don't go to restaurants, you know, you don't, you just don't have the money. And so you do feel left out. And, you, and then, then there's the clothing side of it. You mentioned earlier, that was a big thing for me. And I remember, is it the Knights of Columbus in Geneva? I remember Dr. Anderson. Mm-hmm. I remember in elementary mm-hmm. school, he would take us down to J.C. Penney's in Geneva. And, and uh-huh. I didn't know at the time that they were giving us clothes. Uh, maybe it was a Goodfellas. I think it was Goodfellas. And I remember these clothes that show up at our house. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember this distinctly, him bringing that to us. And I remember thinking, this is like one of the nicest things that anybody's ever done for us, just to bring Aww. up clothes. And I remember thinking to myself very distinctly, distinctly that, when my turn comes, I will make sure that I answer the bell when I see somebody in need, uh, it, whether they tell me or not. I, I just have a spiritual sense of these things with people that I would always answer that bell. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm not saying to show off like mm. woe is me, but I'm just saying um, that had such an indelible mark in my experience. That's one of the many things. We had folks that brought food to our home mm. um, from church. And I mean, you know what? Sure. We just had the minimum and just so many blessings. I just can't say that enough. Geneva is just a wonderful place, but I identify with you, Mary Lee, the whole feeling an oddball out. And, and uh, maybe that's why both of us are such includers and we want to include yeah. people. We don't want people to feel like they're left out or this and that. So. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And that's been, that's actually been one of the, um, and from reading your resume, I'd say this, <laughs> this goes to you too, but professionally, that's been one of the best things that I, one of the best characteristics I think I've had because in my world, there are a lot, you know, I had to deal with kids coming out, being gay, kids asking me, what do you feel about being gay? And me going, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to judge you. That's between you and God, what you do, you know, and it's no different to me than, than somebody, you know, somebody right. else doing whatever, you know, it was just, it was never an issue. And, um, and that inclusion brought and as well as people of color, you know, I never cared. Half of my high school class were Hispanics because we had a lot of sugar beets and the people that worked those sugar beets field, sugar beet fields were from Mexico, you know. And so half of the cross country team I ran on were, you know, um, Hispanic. I didn't care. They were just great friends, you know, and I made a, bar- a bet with one guy that, hey, if I beat, you know, so-and-so and you beat so-and-so, you know, um, then your mom has to make me tamales. <laughs> well, I won. And he brought them over and they were like to die for, you know. So that inclusion was has always been a part of my life. And and I just congratulate you on, you know, your philanthropy. It's it's amazing, Brad. And I just look at you and think how old you are and you know how you've <laughs> included millions of dollars probably to people and they have no idea. So no, it's it's just been it's just been again. Yeah. You know, I think we, you and I talk about talk about this a little bit. It's like spectrum, right? It's like you go mm-hmm. from sleeping on the floor to you know I don't sleep on a floor now, right? I right. Uh, travel the world, right? And then you go from not having a mic to then having having an abundance to share. 
Um, or you go from, you know, man, I, I don't know if I can do this to now, you know, very, very few things I think could ever knock me out. Now as an adult, I realize I can survive mm-hmm. anything. I've been through it all. It doesn't mean that your life isn't so hard. It's very, very difficult. I think even the higher you go in society and, and as you try to strive, as you know this, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I just, I don't know. I scratched my head and I just wonder how all this has happened. And, and I think there's a lot of luck involved too. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. I mean, sometimes the difference between a life going one way or the other is also luck. You get lucky breaks. And I've, I've had plenty of those as well. Um, and people that were kind, like, like, like you were to me. So. Oh, you're sweet. Yeah. Well, I look at those lucky breaks as fate and, um, and as God's opening, you know, and sometimes it's like, here's the door. Are you going to walk through? Well, I don't know if I can do that. God, well, the door's open. It's up to you, you know, and I feel like the doors that I have walked through, I've never regretted, you know, and, um, and that was of course, teaching in Geneva. I taught there for 20 years. So, um, all, all really good years. You know, we did leave in 1998. I don't know if you knew that we moved to South Carolina and Kevin started a company there, came back. He worked for Dennis Devine, you know, in, yep. and then, and we wanted to raise our, we wanted our kids to graduate from there. And our kids now, they're, you know, both in Metro, they, well, Ryan was in Chicago, um, started his own company in 2008, of all things, <laughs> and make it, made it a huge success of it. Um, he's interviewed Obama. I mean, that's yeah. one of the fun things, as well as Dolly, um, he um, did her latest, latest song and video um, with Zach Williams, you know, and met Dolly Parton. And it, that's like royalty here in Nashville. Um, Absolutely. And, and he texted me just off the cuff. Yeah, I'm uh, filming Ryan Seacrest today. I'm like, what? How come you don't get me on the set when you're doing all this stuff? You know, come on, and, Ryan, come on, Ryan. Know, What's going on? I here? know. Seriously. Your mother up. Yeah. <laughs> so and he can't, of course. But um, but yeah, opening those doors. And I think our kids got the best education because they could be in so many things in a small school from you know marching band which was yep. very huge in our school and very you know ron ricker was extremely successful i always admired him i still do we're still great friends you know um to the fact that you probably don't even know this but because don started that um you could get your master's in education in curriculum which is basically yep. how to teach and how to teach to different learning styles um we had over 50% of our staff or close to 50% of our staff that all had their masters in, in teaching. Now I can't tell you one school I've taught in since that has that stat, you know, that has that statistic and the fact that, and I think that's why you get, you got such a great education because we all knew how to, you know, kind of bend to, okay, this person learns this way. So I'm going to do this with him and this person learns this way. So I'm going to do that with her, you know, and, um, and you tried to, again, it was all about inclusiveness and making sure that you, you know, garnered all of the, you know, whatever it was you were doing towards every single kind of learner. And, um, that's unheard of in a classy school. It was a tremendous school system. And I, uh, you know, I was in, you know, I publicly met this, yes, but I was in like, uh, you remember Mrs. West and Mrs. Peterson, I was in there. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they call it when in elementary school, we're at special, special time, special resource time. And, and I remember all those interactions and I remember 
you know, and then they go into high school. We had two wonderful English teachers. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. And I actually just met with with one of them. And and I remember all of that. And, and they always yeah. told us, you guys may not see the value of this now, right? But I guarantee you, when you get into a professional setting, you will be glad that you were exposed to this. And you know what? They're a million percent right. And um, if they're listening, I'm giving them a huge hug. And yeah. everything I do professionally, you know, you you have to be able to communicate. And um, and, and 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 it's just I just can't. I don't know, it's just full circle for me on all of this. But it's a really amazing experience. And we had it really good there, Mary Lee. From yeah, music to band to English to math to science, you name it. We yeah, had a exactly. really good experience for students. Yeah, we did. Well, I I just congratulate you, Brett, on all your success. And I wish I could have, I was I was gone for some of it. You know, we were in South Carolina when you were in college, and um, but you know, just catching up with you. And that is one great thing about Facebook. I do I do love the fact that we can reconnect. And I'm not sure if Facebook were not alive, <laughs> if we'd find each other. I don't know because we're now you know now in Brentwood. Um, and um, we come home to Nebraska to see Ashley and Ryan you know, and they're, they're, you know, my grandkids and, um, yeah. and then we fly out, you know, that's about it. So, cause our time is usually very short and limited. <laughs> Kevin's still working. So for at least for another year or so. All right. So Brad, tell me about this goodwill hunting clip. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to discuss because, uh, goodwill, goodwill hunting is one of the most profane laden movies that's out there. Right. And, yeah. and I remember going through, it was just a difficult time. It was a relationship, I believe, that was ending. And I was just going through a really hard time. Um, and I was probably th in my th I was 30 or 31, maybe. And I just remember, I remember my dad coming. I hadn't seen my dad in probably 15 years or, you know, really seen him, right? And he shows up at my doorstep. We spend a day together. And that night, um, in the middle of the night, he just left. Hmm. And I don't know why he left. Didn't say goodbye. It's just this really weird thing. He just left. And I remember yeah. waking up the next day and I've got a really dear friend of mine. He's a really famous, uh, well-known orthopedic surgeon here in town who I've met. And it's really, again, done so much for me. And I'm very grateful to he and his wife and his family. But nonetheless, and I just go through a really hard time. And I remember praying yeah. and saying, God, I mean, you know, uh, this, this, this relationship's happened, this ended and, and this thing's things going on. And I'm just, my dad was here and left. It's like, you know, you know, is, are we trying to reconcile a relationship? And then it's like, well, he just leaves in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I'm just like, right. this is crazy. So anyways, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's up? And I get this really distinct. And this is very, very personal, but, but I'm happy to share it because um, anyway, so I, you know, I get this, this feeling I'm supposed to watch the movie Goodwill Hunting. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards I'm supposed to journal my feelings, oh. right? Just okay. how I felt. And again, I'm a big, tough guy, right? I mean, right. You know, I have my shot in the NFL and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, very masculine alpha, whatever yes. male guy. You're Chuck so, Norris. Yeah. Chuck Norris. Yeah. Just, um, just a foot <laughs> taller than him. Chuck. Yeah. Maybe a little bit heavier and a little stronger, and a, you know, yeah, anyways, exactly. But, uh, and every, everything, everything yeah. extra, <laughs> but he's Chuck Norris. So, but nonetheless, so uh, I watch this movie and I'm like, wow, this movie's, you know, pretty amazing, but I don't see its relevance. Right. And mm. at the end of that movie was one of the most profound things I've ever, I've ever, ever listened to at the very end, Robin Williams says to Matt Damon, um, he says, Hey man, this isn't your fault. And he was an orphan kid and he was abused and much worse mm. things that I went than I went through. But to me at that time, it's like, it's not your fault. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. 
I know. No, no, you don't. It's not your fault. All right. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Oh, don't fuck up with me, all right? Don't fuck up with me, Sean. Not you. It's not your fault. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god, I'm so sorry! <laughs> and I think, you know, when you look at your situation with your father passing away oh, in a point, yeah. an eight year old, um, and then, you know, seeking the attention of your mom by the things you're doing or the things in my life that I was doing. And for me, it was more like, hey, I was kind of the yes guy, I did everything I could. And a lot of times that actually hurt myself. I wasn't, I wasn't being true to myself and I was just trying to help out everybody that I could. And, you know, it's not your fault. It's not my fault my dad left, right? It's not my fault. Right. As you've heard the story now that my dad was actually murdered uh, yeah. and he got involved in drugs and meth and these things like that. And and it's not my fault. And for whatever reason, it just released me of this 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 thinking that I'd had for so many years. And um, and then I wrote in the journal afterwards, I you know, my feelings, you know, I guess it's just a really weird thing, weird concept, you know, for me. <laughs> I but, know. But my feelings and... You know, much like this conversation we're having, there's something uh, therapeutic about expressing these things. And I would encourage anybody to do that, whether it's whether it's watching a movie or, you know, writing a journal or seeking out a counselor or whatever, maybe a friend or a family member. But but anyways, I was released yeah. from that and it just completely changed my life that it wasn't my fault. I, you know, they say when you're young and you go through a divorce that, you know, sometimes the kids mm -hmm. take the blame for it. Well, for whatever reason. I thought maybe I had done something to cause it. Sure. And so anyways, yeah. a really pivotal moment for me. Uh, and then I went on to meet my wife and I went on to have now have a family and, and, and also the things in business have gone well. And I just, it's just an amazing story. So yeah, Goodwill Hunting. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. If you're going through a hard time, I just think that what a great movie because so many things that happened yeah. to us, I think we can't help think we did it or we caused it. Right. And it's just not the truth. So true. And even as Christians, I think we, I, I know I thought, I must not have prayed hard enough. I must not have believed enough, you know. Um, and we think that we can pray people out of, you know, disease and whatever. And the reality is, you know, it's all in God's hands. But I, I love that reference that it's not your fault. And I, I don't think I realized that as well until I was, I think I, sh you know, shared earlier that I was right. 31 and I could finally see a silver lining to my dad passing away. But it really? Me, yeah. 31. Took, so, okay. So what was that eight, silver lining? Yeah. What was the silver well, lining? Well, the 18 years, it took me 18 years and I finally took it. I don't know what it was just, you know, kind of like one of those, it was just a, a, <laughs> a thought really in my head and it was God speaking softly to me, but it's like, Hey, your whole family's going to heaven. And I thought, Wow, that's really true because right. my sister became a believer. Her husband was a believer. They didn't have children. My brother had three boys. They're all believers. His wife's a believer. You know, I married a believer. Um, Ashley and Ryan are believers. You know, they've married believers. And so we're working on those grandbabies. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm working on my kids, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was like, had that not happened, I don't know if I would have even found Jesus. So I yeah. owe my whole faith to that one traumatic, you know, instance that changed my life forever. So, but thank you for sharing that. I think that's, that's huge. And, um, Ryan Hedden, my son-in-law, give a shout out to Ryan. Hey, Ryan. He always, I got him a Chuck Norris, um, calendar cause he loves, he always has <laughs> these crazy, crazy jokes. And he sent me a picture of one and it said, 
Chuck Norris had to call in his stuntman today because he's got to talk about emotions. And <laughs> so I'm going to leave you with that, Brett. Thank you. <laughs> I thought it was perfect. I thought, yeah, that's my son-in-law too. So. Well, they, they 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 cauterized my my tear ducts when I was a when I was a child. Oh. So you know, it's one of those deals. But well, you're fortunate. Yeah, I feel yeah. like my feelings leak out all the time. So anyway, the, but beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on and I appreciate all your wisdom and I don't know if you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to. Yeah, I would just say it's just it's just a it's just a real pleasure to to, to circle back with you and, and discuss some of these things They're, you know, we're really hard, really challenging. But, you know, you you were part of uh, the support we received. And, you know, was it Maya Angelou that says, you know, good done here is good done everywhere. Right. And so it's like mm. you know, the good that you and so many uh, so many folks did in Geneva, um, the good they did for our family, I think, you know, has definitely helped us. And I think we're able to go on and do good in other places. And so. Um, I did, I'm just very grateful to you. Obviously, we love you, and I'd love to see you again yeah. soon. Say hi to Kevin and Ryan and Ashley, and and uh, I wish you the best of luck with your your podcast, Crucible. Yeah, and which was I'll your, sh- your I'll idea. Sh- I'll be sharing this with all, <laughs> all my social media contacts, and just thanks a lot, Marley. Yeah, thank you, Brett. Love you. Love you, too.